Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this, and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. All right, real quick before we get started on the show, I'm just going to talk about Treeline Academy. You've heard me say it. I can't even tell you how many times. Um, Mark Livesey is treelineacademy.net. That's treelineacademy.net. Sign up. Use the promo code PC2020. Save yourself 20 bucks. Can't say it enough. It's awesome. Amazing. Most comprehensive e-scouting course out there. Check it out for yourself. Sign up. Use promo code PC2020. And now let's get to the show. Okay, so I'm sitting here and I'm talking to Dennis Stokes. So, Dennis, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit for us? All right. Well, first of all, Lucas, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm I'm glad to be here and uh, glad to be joining you tonight. Um, I am Dennis Stokes, and I'm one of the owners of Initial Ascent, a backpack company out of Idaho, and um, I grew up in Florida. And went to college in Alabama, played uh, four years of college football there, Um, went to grad school at Auburn, and then uh, moved in 2000 out here to Idaho. And um, I grew up living on a dirt road in Florida and hunting, fishing, trapping, just burning up and down the the two trails and and the dirt roads on my four-wheeler that's what we called them back then it wasn't a quad that's um, <laughs> <laughs> back when i think it was like a honda 125 or something and it was when they they finally decided that they were going to kind of go away from three-wheelers um so anyway uh grew up kind of blazing around on on that 
Um, I uh, am married, have three kids, and uh, so I've been married for 21 years now and have uh, two 18-year-olds and a 14-year-old. So uh, we've been busy for a few years. Yeah, <laughs> I'm familiar with that just uh, at at a different stage than you, but you're, you're definitely familiar with all that. So uh, yep. God bless you. And, and <laughs> And I, I know what you went through. So, <laughs> yep. uh, no, I wouldn't trade it for nothing though, but I, I still have a, uh, I got a two fifty, so I'm familiar. I still call it a four wheeler and it's a, a, right? a Yamaha bear tracker. So nice. Oh yeah. man. Hang on to that. That's worth some money. <laughs> I'm still rolling with that. I, I don't need yep. any of those big fancy ones. So outstanding, um, but so let's talk, you, you ended up moving to Idaho. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for, for work, obviously. Yes. And, um, that's, is that where you ended up celebrating the honeymoon is, uh, on the road or, or in, in Idaho? Yeah. So, so yeah, we left, uh, two days after and you know how it is. I mean, I was a 20, what, 24 year old kid and I was just ready to get on with my life. I, you know, just been broke all my life and. I was ready to start my career. I'd finished graduate school. I was ready to start my career, but I was so ready that I didn't think about implications of not really having a honeymoon. <laughs> and my wife, bless her heart, she uh, she was really good about just following following me wherever I went, you know, and and making sure that uh, that we were going to make our dreams come true and and be successful with whatever we did. So she agreed to leave right after the wedding, basically, and, and do our honeymoon on the road. It's 2,500 miles uh, to Idaho from Auburn, Alabama. And uh, we were in separate vehicles the whole way. <laughs> <laughs> and we would drive for, man, 12, 14 hours a day. And it was it was pretty miserable. Uh, didn't even take time to see sights. We were just trying to get to Idaho and get on with get on with our lives, right? So, did you guys have a house picked out, or what was the what was the game oh, plan there? <laughs> oh no, we pulled into town. We didn't know where we were. We I called the only guy that I knew, and he he was the guy that inter- interviewed me uh, for for my job. And I called him, and I says. Hey, we're going to need somewhere to stay. Um, <laughs> can you can you point us in the direction of some apartments? And so we we found an apartment and managed to uh, get get our stuff moved in there. And, and actually, it's it's kind of a funny story, a welcome to Idaho story. Um, we found these apartments. Um, we got there on a Friday and started moving in on a sat uh, on, on a Saturday and finished moving in or attempted to finish moving in on Sunday. And some guys that uh, I was going to be working with, they came over to help uh, move everything in. So we had almost everything in that apartment, which wasn't much. I mean, we were 25 years old. Um, And one of the guys was trying to get a couch on end around this corner in this really tight hallway right there at the, at the, the door. And he hit 
a sprinkler, a fire sprinkler that was hanging <laughs> no. down that wasn't that wasn't protected. Usually they have like a wedge or something yeah. on them, so if you do hit them, they won't bust. Well, this thing broke off, and we're talking fifty gallons a minute type thing, just streaming <laughs> down, and we're grabbing garbage cans and getting water, dumping it in the tub, dumping it outside. <laughs> oh my gosh, my wife. She was just distraught to say the least. And I, I think it finally hit her when, you know, we were getting flooded out. And, and the thing was we couldn't turn the water off. It it yeah. probably took it probably took an hour to turn the water off because I think the, the managers they were an hour away or something like that, and they were the only ones with the keys uh <laughs> to, to turn these fire sprinklers off. So Anyway, long story short, um, it was a welcome to Idaho um, type type of an affair, and my wife didn't know if we had made the right decision or not, and and I was starting to question that myself. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. <laughs> but so you're in Idaho now, you, you're yep. settled in, and then uh, obviously you said, man, I hunted my whole life, I'm going to start hunting, right? And um, you you ended up starting to hunt in Idaho and how long was it before you started pursuing elk? Um, the first, the first fall, I actually, <laughs> um, tr attempted to pursue elk. I, I got, um, had some friends that I had met and they apparently knew what it was all about. And me coming from Florida and Alabama and just hunting hogs, white tail, doing things that way this was a whole new world um mountains yes. <laughs> that, that was a big that was a big aha um and just 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 learning about elk i had no idea and so i i kind of got introduced to it at least to the to the experience the the taking the week off and and going setting up elk elk camp and and hunting it was this guy that was kind of heading it all up he had two wall tents one was a cook tent one was the sleeping tent and i had never been in a wall tent never even seen one and <laughs> we ate like kings that week it was the most fantastic thing ever but I think, you know, and we did some elk hunting too. We had horses. And so that was, that was kind of fun for me, but all I can remember about that trip is that we didn't run into many elk, <laughs> but there was a lot of beer consumed. <laughs> <laughs> so my first experience with elk hunting was, was, uh, it was a little bit different than most, I think, but, but that's what those guys did. I mean, they, whether they killed an elk or not, it was the experience. It was getting away from work, uh, probably getting away from their families, you know, just for, for that week, that was their week. And, and so I, I learned a kind of a valuable lesson that week. Um, and, and for me coming from Florida, I mean, we had deer everywhere. I mean, you didn't have to try that hard to, to kill a deer and and as a matter of fact growing up and i don't know how it is where you live in illinois but our whitetail they're about the size of 
big dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, Ours are a lot bigger and, than that. But <laughs> yeah, Midwest Midwest deer. I think uh, <laughs> I've seen pictures for sure. But uh, yeah, it was it was there were numerous deer. So you had when I was growing up, the way the regs read in my area, we could kill a buck a day. And then there was a weekend in December, somewhere around the 10th, where we had doe weekend. And so on, on that Saturday and Sunday, you could kill a buck a day, but you could also kill two does along with those, those bucks. Wow. <laughs> Needless to say, around, around our neck of the woods, bucks didn't grow to be very old. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> so, <laughs> a buck a so day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they were just, they were just everywhere, but, uh, but this, this experience with elk hunting, um, it was so, it was so different and I, I really, really enjoyed it and started wanting to, to learn more and more about it. And so, but I can't, and and a lot of, a lot of guys that come from the South or come from the, the Midwest to come out West to hunt for the first time man what what a learning curve it's yes it it's is <laughs> so steep and 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 that's what i went through you know 20 years ago and so i uh i i hunted there for a couple of years and then uh, my wife uh got pregnant with her twins and pretty much i i laid it down until <laughs> gosh until they were eight nine years old don't tell this my wife that. when I got that. back into hunting. <laughs> well, I just, I was, you know, I was, I was trying to, trying to start a career and, and kind of get, get that going really good and, and build the career and, and then obviously help my wife out and try to spend as much time as I could with the kids. So I just, gosh, I didn't, didn't have time for it at all. And, uh, finally, finally got back into it when the kids were, you know, a little bit older. So, so when you, when you pick back up, I mean, Things then mm-hmm. things ended up progressing and becoming a little bit different. At what point did you like actually start with the whole backpack t- style hunting? Um, that was probably about eight years ago, I would okay. say. Um, yeah, I would say around two thousand. Eh, it was probably two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve, is is when I started with that. And I had never been a backpacker um, growing up. I, the only backpack I owned was, was one from Walmart that I put my too many books from school in. Like a Jan, Jan sport or something, you know, Jan like, sport. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, that was the only thing, but I'd always wanted a backpack because the thing about me, I was, I was a, a gear guy. Now I couldn't afford any gear when I was growing up, but any type of thing that said kit or, like this, their survival knife. Oh that, yeah, <laughs> you remember the one that after Rambo came out? Oh yes, the, the survival knife that had all the stuff in the handle. Oh yeah, man, I I, I saved my money and bought one of those. I and... bought the cheap Chinese or Taiwanese knockoff one. I couldn't. Oh, yeah. af- I couldn't That's afford like was. the the Bud K knife or the I can't even remember who the guy is that designed that knife, but. I couldn't afford the real one. Mine was the Taiwan knockoff with the compass that had just enough water to barely make the thing float and you could flick it and it would. <laughs> yes. You always had to tap it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am familiar. 
<clears throat> yep. But but that's that's how it was, man. I was I was a, a gearhead from from an early age, man. <laughs> My first aid kit. It seemed like every week I was taking that thing apart, reorganizing it. You know, saying, "Hey, I might need this or I might need that." Um, you know, and that was when I was six, seven years old. I was doing that. That's like so, uh, uh, my favorite book was, I think it's FM twenty one seventy six Field Manual Army Survival. My dad gave it to me when I was about six or maybe maybe seven years old. I don't know. And that was I went through that book cover to cover so many times I could almost recite stuff to you. <laughs> oh man, that's a good dad. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, I can pass it down to my kid, and he's interested in it. But we'll we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's kind of where where it started with me. So when I when I found out about backpacking and, and actually started looking into that, especially since we were, you know, now living in the mountains, um, and I, I did a little bit when when we first got out here, but not a ton because it cost a lot of money, or at least you know that's what I thought. It cost a lot of money to get all the gear to get, you know, to get set up. So. Um, got got into backpacking but it just it fit my personality and my you know my kit you know craving my, right. my gear craving it fit perfectly yeah for sure so once once you did that and you kind of got into it and stuff um i kind of because i want to try and figure out you had some backpacks and stuff and i mean was there a reason why you decided to create your own you know, backpack. I mean, yeah, yeah, bunches of reasons. Actually, um, as as I kind of went along in my progression um, with with backpack hunting, I, I I just I got really really picky, and I think that's the gearhead in me. I was just <laughs> always wanting to try something different, and I got really picky. And I'm I'm five seven, you know, I, but I've got a I've got a 19 inch torso and i just i couldn't find a pack that just had everything that i wanted and so one day my my future partner and i uh, joe we were uh, we actually met each other at our kids football practice and we got to talking about hunting and and i had been hunting for a few years uh basically by myself and with a couple other guys. And, uh, but we, we got to talking about our love for hunting and, and backpack hunting especially. And he had done a lot of backpacking as well. And so, uh, it just, it kind of morphed into, we started hunting together and it, it ended up, we had the same pet peeves about, about packs. And so he had things that he would like to change. And I had things that I would like to change. And, um, we started going to the Western Hunt Expo together, um, and, and taking our families and everything. And, um, it, it just came, it became evident to us that, Hey, you know, we've got some good ideas and, you know, we've, we feel like we know how, how we can make a pack that's just right for everything that we want. And so that's, uh, looking at the hunt expo and just just seeing all the pack manufacturers and everything and and all the people that were interested in packs and trying on packs and everything you know we looked at each other and we said you know what we can do this 
you know, we should create a pack ourselves. And so we, and, and years before that, you know, I'd already been modifying my packs, you know, that I, that I had owned and I've owned about every one of them. Um, so it was just, it was something I was just trying to do tailor made for me. And, yep. and he was the same way. I, every piece of gear I get, I go over it and I make it stealthy. Uh, however that is trying to silence things, do all that kind of stuff. And then we'll get into like what I did to your pack in a little bit here, but, oh, good. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to hear. but first, um, so, I mean, did you, you and I were talking a little bit before the podcast and I mean, your background is not like an engineering background. As far as I could tell, it's more of like, uh, I'm guessing agriculture slash, uh, animal biology or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, consulting. I'm, so, I'm actually a nutritionist, so. So, um, kind of, kind of a little bit different, not exactly in your wheelhouse other than, than the gear side of things. So right. where, where did you start for, you know, the design, the inception of, of the pack number one, and then like the frame? Cause I mean, your frame's kind of different than everybody else's frame and it's neat and it's really cool. And I like it. I like using it, but I mean, how did, how did that come about then? Is your, is your partner, um, kind of the the engineer of the group or what how, how did that no actually we we actually um but we and to start off with we we said we have to dis- decide on a frame that's the foundation um and so we have to decide on what we're going to use for a frame so we we talked about all kinds of things and we started making designs of this frame um with coat hangers and pieces of string laid out on cardboard, just sh- different shapes and everything. <laughs> and, and I kind of knew, I kind of knew what I was after. But since my mind doesn't quite work like an engineer, um, I, I I couldn't take it as far as I needed to go in in the design to to actually realize that that concept that I was looking for. So what we did was we actually went to uh, Boise State, and they have a uh, they have a program there in their engineering program, and it's uh, Boise Tech Help. And so we went and talked to those guys, and they are engineers, and and they have students that that work in there as well. And they were also working with another company, uh, another engineering company that uh, that that helped us out. And so that original design. Um, kind of came from just what Joe and I had talked about. I had actually drawn it up on, um, on an iPad and, but I didn't know exactly what the material was going to be. Um, I didn't know exactly what the, what the shape was going to be. I had the general design, but, um, so, so we, we en- enlisted their help and, they kind of got that shape they we talked about carbon fiber and then that somehow we got a hold of another guy that could actually manufacture um the frame that that and we had mocked it up with basically wood um and then put some some carbon fiber on top of it just to just to get the shape just to see you know if if that would if we thought that could work and, and support a load and that sort of thing, the, the original frame was actually flat. 
So it was, it was the, the shape, uh, as you look at it, you know, from the front or the back was really close to what we have now, but it was flat. It had no curve to it at all. And so it didn't take long <laughs> to, we put that in a makeshift hip belt and put some shoulder straps on that and, and put some weight on there. And all of a sudden the load lifter ears are hitting us in the back of the head. And it was, uh, it was not good. So we knew, knew we had to go back to the drawing board there, but anyway, we got, uh, got involved with, uh, an engineer over in Eastern Idaho in Rexburg. And, uh, he, he owns a company called Sidious Composites and he basically worked with us the rest of the way. Now, granted, it took, it took about three years of, of design, research, testing, and all of that to get the frame where, where it needed to be to even release. Um, so there was a considerable amount of time that was spent, um, in, in the lab, in, in, uh, the, the engineering department of Boise state, um, over at Sidious Composites, a lot of time went into that. And the, the, the secret that we figured out is a secret, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those deals where you you're trying to make a cake without a recipe. You're trying to, you're trying to figure out cause you know what you want the end product to be, but it was making that, that recipe, you know, where you're talking time, temperature, pressure, um, resin layers of carbon fiber, layers of, uh, fiberglass layers of composite material. Um, all of this stuff, we had to figure it out, and it was just trial and error. I mean, right now we're we're on version seventeen of our frame. Now, all of them weren't <laughs> major changes or anything. There there were a lot of tweaks in those versions, but yes, version seventeen. So, how many versions do you think are out there right now, still being used for like the original oh, original versions? Yeah, that's a great question. Actually. Um, there's, I think we released it at version 14. Okay. So, so there, and, and the versions 15, 16, 17 are very, very minor, minor things. Um, so version 14s, we, we still, I mean, they're, they're great frames and, uh, you know, we're not getting any of them back. So that's good. <laughs> So I bought mine. I bought mine last year. So what version do you think that is? Version seventeen, then? Uh, that would be sixteen, actually. Sixteen. So seventeen. <laughs> yes, yeah, sixteen. So okay. seventeen actually has. Uh, it's just a slight tweak of of a of a couple slots. That's that's all. Oh man, it's just, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to sell mine and get the version 17 now because that gear junkie's coming out in me, you know. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. So, um, I mean, did did they like try and render 3D models for you, like on a printer or anything like that, before you guys ever went to the the actual process of trying to make the 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 carbon frame, or or how was that like a prototype? Did you have that was like a 3D rendered model or something? 
Yeah, there. You know, we didn't have a three D rendered model, um, but we did have um, we did have some prototypes that were made out of really thin plywood. And so, funny story: the first time we took these frames, so they were prototype frames. The first time we took to try them out was in New Zealand. <laughs> We took them over there to try them out. And, you know, Joe and I both decided, hey, you know, we're going to we're going to go see if, you know, this thing's going to work or not. And uh, it ended up working out really well. <laughs> um, we got lucky. If I had to do it all over again, though, Lucas, I would probably take a backpack that uh, yeah, at least at least a backup pack. I mean, I would, I would do that. I mean, that's a trip of a lifetime, right? I'm probably yeah. never going to do it again. And, uh, yeah. As of I, right I, now, I, you can't, <laughs> as exactly. of right now, you can't even do it. So, Isn't that um, something? and now they're even talking about just trying to eliminate them. They're, they're going to try and, uh, take all the tar and, and shoot them and call them. So uh, who knows? Cause they want it back uh, to native yeah. species, which is about nothing. So yeah, we'll, exactly we'll see where right. that goes. Yeah. Yeah. Everything was brought in there. So that's an interesting story within itself. It would probably be an entire podcast. So I don't think I'll dive down that rabbit hole too deep. But okay. um, <clears throat> so you, I mean, so you tried out the pack and obviously with a prototype pack, you're, you're probably learning a lot of flaws and different things that you're trying to perfect. Is there anything that you could think of off the top of your head that you, you were like, oh man, this is, ha this has to change. Yeah. Uh, so the load lifters are one thing we had to go. We had to go higher on the load lifters for sure, um, and that was that. That was the biggest thing I think to me. Um, but overall, we had already we had the shape pretty much the way we wanted it, um, and then we we ended up adding a bunch of layers in different directions, um, and. By that time, we hadn't, we didn't have the resin that we're using now. So, um, and that's that's been a game changer for us. So, the the major thing I think for me and testing it over there was probably the load lifter, and it it needed to be higher. So, so you say the the, the resin is a game changer. Is it because of like strength or something that that it's uh, changed the game, or or what has it done? Made it lighter. Um, no, it's, it's just a different, it's a different, it has different properties than typical resins that are, that are used with carbon fiber. Um, and it's, it, we actually, it got brought to us by our engineer about two months before, I think it was two months before we were going to release, um, because our, our other resin we had some problems with it and it was not performing like, like we wanted. And here we are, we're signed up for the hunt expo and the soft goods are made. We're, we're ready to go to the show, but we've got a problem with the frame. And <laughs> so he actually went to a conference, um, I believe down in Orlando and ran into, um, this, this new product and, grabbed a sample of it while he was there, took it back. He thought it might be uh, something that we're looking for. And 
he did a bunch of tests with it and everything. And man, it was, it, it was fantastic. It, 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 it changed the game for, for us as a company. Uh, because if, if he hadn't found that, we probably wouldn't have released there in February and who knows where we'd be now. So I'm guessing you can't talk too much because it might be kind of not necessarily proprietary, but kind of confidential as far as the product you're using. However, um, can you talk about some of the, like the, the problems that you had with the, with the initial frame? Yeah. Breakage. Um, you know, we, we, we broke some frames, um, and not saying that was all the resin, but it was, it was interesting. Um, he did a test with, with resin. And I think what he said he did was he made some hockey pucks out of different resins just to, just to test. And there were two of them that, that he threw on concrete and shattered in like a thousand pieces. Yeah. You don't want probably that for, more. for equipment, I'm guessing. <laughs> Right. And then there was one of them that bounced about 40 feet in the air. <laughs> okay. And so we're like, okay, you know, if, you know, if you can, if you can get something that uh, is not brittle and it can be a little bit pliable, um, that serves you pretty well out in the field. So let's kind of get into, I want, I want to talk about, um, and this is something you haven't mentioned yet, so I'm going to go ahead and do it, and I'll, I'll brag a little bit. But I have been seeking out and looking for companies that are American-made. It okay. just kind of bothers me that I've been, you know, you get gear and you pay, a, 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 let's just face it, a lot of money for a lot of your, your gear, and you look at a label and it's made in China, and I want to support businesses that are here that are in the United States that are making high quality goods and actually paying a sustainable wage to people to make their products. And that's kind of why I chose your product. And I mean, to me, that's important. And so let's kind of talk about that with you as far as why that's important to you and, and, you know, how your products are made here. Yeah, we're, we're very proud of that. And, and not only is it, is it made in America, but it's also made strictly in Idaho, um, which, which is cool, um, uh, you know, being, being a resident here. So, yeah, I don't know. I, we, we struggle, we still struggle with it. Um, we, we are proud, obviously proud to be Americans, um, and proud of the country we're blessed to live in. And, we just felt like that even though it was going to cost us a tremendous amount of, of, of money and it may take, you know, getting bigger and bigger and bigger to be able to make that, that American made thing work, uh, from a profitability standpoint. Um, because obviously if you go overseas, you know, cheap labor, you know, there, there's a lot of things that go along with that, but, um, we made the decision early on that um, that we were gonna we were gonna stay here. Uh, we had opportunities to go overseas and uh, and and didn't do that. And I, I think it's just something that that we are very proud of, and that good Lord willing, 
we're going to continue doing that and and supporting and and hopefully because right now i mean it's just just me and my partner i mean we are running the company we're mopping the floors <laughs> we're we're doing everything from a to z well you're not and, running the machines are you well we're not we're not <laughs> sewing okay. we're not sewing anything you don't want us to sew i promise <laughs> um but uh but we are you know once once the sop gets our our song uh right here in garden city idaho we uh we get them and i'm putting them together um i, I ship out of my location and um we're we're an owner touches every single pack that that goes out um we put them all together so and and so that that's another cool thing you know we don't want to have them constructed overseas where you know we can't we can't be involved yeah no i, I that's one of the things I, I i actually i don't know if you remember or not i reached out to you um when i was first looking at your packs and kind of had some questions and you were more than happy to answer your phone and and talk to me about it and answer yeah. all the questions i had and not only that but you told me how to measure my measurements that i needed for my pack and then you said just send those along in the notes and I'll set it up for you. So you don't even have to adjust the height or do any of that yourself. And it came and, and I uh, put it on and right away, it was the first pack that I've ever had that actually fit me without having to do anything like that, which was pretty cool. I've, I've experienced a couple different packs and I got to say some of them, the quality was higher than others. And then also just cert certain things, aspects of them. There was one I had that I was constantly the adjusters would never stay tensioned properly. So I was constantly stopping and just tugging and reefing on straps and pulling on them all the time. And it just, it got to the point where it was so annoying. I just wanted to take it and throw it on the ground. But when you're six miles deep and trying to hike out, it doesn't exactly make it possible. So, um, right. That was, that was the turning point. I was like, I was like, okay, when I get home, I'm getting a new pack. This is it. I'm done. And that's, that's when uh, a couple weeks later I gave you a phone call and, um, awesome. It's uh, pretty cool. So I'll talk a little bit about what I did to the pack. So yes, I, I started out with the 2K. Um, I was actually going to do, thought about doing the whole Brotherhood of the Traveling Pack, which we could talk about a little bit if you want to just explain that, what, what it sure. is and what it's about, because that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you want to you tell folks uh, what, oh, what that is yeah. real quick? <laughs> yeah, I will. Yeah. Um, yeah, you just have to nudge me a little bit uh, harder. But uh, so the Brotherhood of the Traveling Pack, um, that was uh, a brainchild of one of one of our uh, one of our athletes, Steve Opat, who, uh, who lives in Alaska. Um, he <laughs> comes up with the greatest ideas sometimes. And he came up with this and he actually has a podcast, Alaskan Odysseys. Um, and we talk about it on there. He he kind of likened it to the movie the sisterhood of the traveling pants <laughs> and if you remember that movie now i didn't i remembered the movie but i'd never seen it neither had um, i <laughs> and and but steve said he had to watch it with his sister at some point and so um i since he brought this idea up i had to go watch it myself and the the whole gist of it was there was this pair of pants and you had different sizes and shapes and heights of 
of gals in this this sisterhood. They were all friends, and they had they had these this one pair of pants, and it fit every single one of them. And they would have some amazing experiences, apparently. And so, <laughs> so I turned it off about halfway through. Um, <laughs> but, but anyway, um, that was the whole gist behind the pack. And so Steve started the pack in Alaska on a caribou hunt with uh, some friends of his and let one of them borrow the pack and magic happened i mean they 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 killed a nice bull they packed the bull out and so so basically what what it's it's going to do is it's in the middle of its journey right now it's going each month it goes to a different hunter uh on a different hunt in a different state and this one pack gains i, I guess it gains traction it gains juju if you want to call it on the way because everybody is filling out you have certain things you have to do um but everybody's filling out a journal um when they have it about their experience what they hunted how the hunt went that sort of thing um they write on the inside of the pack their name the state in which they hunted the species they hunted and if they harvested or not um they also um send along uh, some type of, of useful item to the next person. And they write that person a personal letter um, ab about the pack and about the item that they're sending. So uh, really cool stuff. By the time we get it back to Alaska in August, it's going to have so many stories. Um, and, you know, that's what hunting's a, lo a lot of hunting's about. It's about the stories. It's about the brotherhood, and um, so so we're we're real proud of this project. And right now, it just uh, finished up in uh, Arizona, I believe. And then it's uh, I'm actually going to talk to the gentleman tomorrow, and he's going to be sending it on to the next guy. So. Um, yeah, we've we've got uh, we've got several months that are still open. So if any of your <laughs> listeners are interested in the Brotherhood of the Traveling Pack, they can go on our website. I have a blog on there, um, and maybe I'll I'll shoot you that link so maybe you can leave it in the notes or something. Sure. But uh, but it's it's a really cool project, and 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 we're uh, we're we're really happy with how it's going. So what are you guys going to do with like the film footage? Are you going to turn it into like a short film or something or what's your plans with that? Well, that's the thing. I mean, we, so we, we don't, uh, we don't require them to take any film or, or video of it. So if, if, if guys have it, um, they're sending it to us. Um, so we might be able to do something cool with that, but they're, they're taking lots of pictures. Um, so we're posting some of those pictures and, and they're posting pictures as well. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's kind of the footage that, that we're getting, but we're going to do, um, we'll, we'll, we'll do it again, probably this August and send a brand new pack out there. <laughs> we may even do the sisterhood of the traveling pack. There you that, go. Uh, because that's in the work as well. That's in the work as well. So let's touch on that real quick before we get into my use and modifications. Um, you guys yeah. just released uh 
a women's pack. Yeah, right? and and specifically the the frame because that that's one thing that we noticed in all of the folks that we fitted personally with with our pack. Um, the ladies uh, they they tend to have shorter torsos than men. Uh, you know, even even if a, a gal is you know five seven five eight five nine, uh, they could have uh, you know a shorter torso to where our our in integris frame is what we call our original frame um it 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 doesn't fit right and and the shape uh was designed for for a male torso um so with the invictus we we changed the shape to where it was ideal for uh, a woman's torso we shortened it up and made it a little bit thinner um the so we changed the width a little bit and um it's uh it's really really gotten popular out there uh with these gals that finally they have you know something that fits them and fits that that shorter torso and so uh we're we're doing that now um our shoulder straps are actually our original shoulder straps um the way they're shaped they're working out really well. Um, I doubted that at the beginning, just because, I mean, if it fits a, if it fits a man, I mean, women are, are, are built different. And if it fits a man, you know, is it going to fit a lady? Um, and we've, we've really had good luck with that. So, uh, we had, gosh, seven or eight different ladies that, that had it this fall in the field testing um, at one time, and then dozens of women uh, it 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 went on their backs to test uh, through the end of the summer uh, through the fall right before we released it. So uh, it uh, and and this this whole concept and design has probably been a couple years in the making, um, but. Uh, yeah, it's it, we're we're really happy about it, and uh, and it's it's changing the game for for a lot of the ladies out there. That's pretty cool. That's definitely cool. So um, I'll I'll get into my I'll get into my pack now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I I got it. It pretty much already fit. Um, right away I started squaring away my gear and trying to figure out where everything was going and everything. Um, I, I purchased the two K my plan is to get the six K okay. later, um, to, to actually go out West, but I figured for whitetail hunting, I wanted something that I could be able to strap stands to, or if I wasn't using a stand and I was saddle hunting, which actually I've found be, has become my preferred method, but, okay. um, late, like mid to late winter, you get all these cold snaps in the snow and everything. And I'm always packing layers because sometimes I'm hiking in two miles or whatever. So I, I figured, man, I need all these layers that I got to pack them and I don't just want to roll them up and strap them to the back of my pack. If it's raining or whatever, I want them inside the pack, which it does have some water resistance to it. I can attest to that for sure. Um, yeah. <clears throat> nice four way stretch material. I'm guessing it's probably berry compliant. Um, and, um, so I was like, okay, I need, you know, whatever. And, and it ended up working out that that pack fits perfect for all of my winter gear, 
snacks and food for the whole day, everything. So I throw it on my back after I get uh, my sticks, climbing sticks and everything strapped to it. And it had this, you know, the straps flapping around and everything, which I was like, okay, no big deal. So I, you know, taped up everything nice and quiet and just the way I like it. And I noticed a little bit of a scratching noise. And I'm like, oh, man, this is not going to work. What the heck is going on? And I'm like, this is this is not good. So I remember I I messaged you and I said, hey, uh, I got this bad scratching noise coming from the pack straps in the frame, you know, like, and I, I guess there's like a magical height for the frame to where that happens. And that's correct. You guys are probably, I'm guessing, working on that. And you told me the fix for it. And you're like, if you yeah. want, I'll even send them to you. I'll send you the Velcro so or the felt. So I ended up just going down to the basement and I have had some felt from whatever project or whatever I was working on. And I cut two inch and a half by inch and a half squares, stuck it on there. Boom. Stealth mode was activated. <laughs> it was super quiet. And what's crazy is like I've talked to like five other guys that have the packs. I messaged, I even messaged a guy over at Western Contours and I was like, Hey man, do you have a problem with the frame? You know, before I go complaining or whatever, is there something I'm missing? And he's like, no, never, never had any, you know, scratching noise on my pack. And so then I messaged, uh, I, I messaged my buddy, Christian Lazarides. I was like, Hey Christian, do you, you, you got your pack. You just packed that whole deer in your pack, packed it out for, you know, a couple hundred yards or whatever you did. I said, <laughs> was it loud as heck? I'll, I'll get out. And he's like, no, no, it wasn't that loud at all. I, I never noticed it. And I'm like, well, something's going on here. And my pack is so noisy. If I don't figure this out, I'm ditching this pack. Oh, and man. so, um, so that's when I just reached out to you guys and you're like, Oh no, you know, it's, it's a known, it's a known thing, but it's a so, super simple fix. Yeah. I fixed it. And then I was like, okay, I'm going hunting with it now. So I had it just in time for my hunting season, and that I will say that pack was canoed in with me almost every day, and then it was strapped to my back, and I hiked in wherever I had to go. And one day, it was super cold, and I was in a rush to get down in the dark, and I packed my hook in my pocket. Well, when I took my hunting clothes off, I emptied my pocket out at the truck, and I never put it back in my bag because I kept it in the the cup holder or the Nalgene bottle holder Uh on the side, and it was my hook for my pack. And I'm like, dang it. Oh, now what do I do? You know, I got this heavy pack. I can't put it on a plastic hook. (laughs) So I actually just opened up the kidney belt and hooked it right to the tree. So then at that point, I was like, what do I even need to carry this holder for anymore for my pack? I could just open up the straps and just hook it to the tree. So I've been doing that unless it's a really large tree. So that worked out good. Awesome. But I'll say it's it's super durable. I've I've used it for an entire hunting season, dropped it from the tree a few times, maybe once or twice intentionally, maybe not. I, I'll never yeah. tell. But, yeah. it, but it definitely held up, and um, it, it it's worked pretty good. The only thing I did is I accidentally ripped off a couple of the Velcro things on the uh, – I'm my web buck webbing on the webbing. My, on the webbing. So <laughs> I may need to get some new straps, but other than that, um, it, it definitely held up and I'm excited to try and get the, uh, get the six K bag and start playing with that. I think it's, um, it, it's pretty neat the way, the way everything stretches on the material. I like that mm-hmm. versus, um, a lot of your other bags are rigid and you just, 
when you can't fit anymore, it just doesn't fit. And like I use the outer pocket on that 2K and I will stuff a pair of puffy pants and like a down puffy jacket. And it actually both fits in there, which is kind of cool because then it's right on the outside. My rain gear is in the top pocket. So that works out good. And then the inside stuff, you even got integrated pockets on the inside, which I found nice for organization. I like to have my stuff kind of squared away. So that, that definitely helped. It was pretty cool. Then I started thinking, yeah. I kind of need a bow holder for this on my way out. But at the same time, I wanted it protected. So I haven't quite figured out if the bow holder for the that bow would be the way to go. Or maybe there's something else. <laughs> haven't decided that yet. But it's uh, it it's definitely served its purpose this year and, and done its job. And I like the fact that I can strap all my stuff to that frame. It holds it tight. Um, I ended up buying the pannier and never even ended up needing it or using it. So okay. at some point I'll play with that and I can, I can give an honest review of that as well. But um, yeah. yeah, it's definitely held up and I've had that thing stuffed to the gills to the point where it couldn't hold anymore. And you're thinking for a one day hunt, what, how much do you need? But sitting in a tree all day with the wind blowing, it's, it's a little bit different than walking around and uh, oh, for sure. it's, it's definitely worked out well. Um, I'm glad to hear that you're being a whitetail hunter or that, that you're using that 2K with, uh, you know, in, in a stand and everything. I, uh, you know, I grew up hunting like that, but I haven't, I hadn't done it in, well, since I, since I left back. Um, but a couple years ago, I started, I started bear hunting a little bit, um, started baiting bears. And so, I ended up buying another tree stand and using that. And so what I've been doing is taking the 2K bag as well. I was kind of how that was working for you. Yeah. No, it, it definitely it worked out good. I like the fact that if I'm actually carrying a larger stand or even my climber, the problem always was before if I wanted to bring a pack just to pack additional layers or food or any of that stuff, I had to figure out a way to affix the pack to the stand so I could carry the stand with the carry straps. Mm -hmm. So my whole thing was I needed to find a bigger pack that actually had a rigid frame to where I could switch it around and do it the other way. And, um, and, and so I kind of, you know, hemmed and hawed and looked at a couple different options and I was like, I definitely want American made this time. And I want to be able, I wanted the modularity as well. I wanted to be able to, switch out from a whitetail pack or even, you know, like a, a day trip pack and be able to mm-hmm. just use the same pack for, for going. I didn't want to have seven different packs laying around. That's the other thing. My wife, it drives her nuts when I've got all this different gear and well, you don't only use that like one week out of the year. What do you need that for? You know? So right, right. it was one of those things where I wanted some versatility out of it. And, and it kind of, I feel that it fit the bill to be able to switch out the packs on the frame and still have just the one frame. Or if I didn't even need the pack, I could use the pannier or something like that and just strap a few things in there or put a, some type of Molly pocket or something um, on your pannier and then just end up putting the stand directly to the frame or something like right. that. But yeah, so right. I mean, it definitely left options and I felt that that was kind of important in, in my decision-making on, on what I did, but I got to say the noise 
when I first got that pack, Dennis, I looked at it and I held it in my hands and I squeezed it real tight. And I thought to myself, if this is it, I'm going to be so mad. It's going away. I'm selling it. And then, <laughs> and then, um, I, I believe it was guy ended up just, just reach out to Dennis. No, he's cool. He'll, he'll tell you all whatever, you know, he'll fix it. Yeah. He'll, he'll make it right. And as soon as I did, you're right. like, Oh yeah, we, we know it's a little bit of an issue, but it, it, is there like a certain height range or something that that tends to happen in or something like that with, yeah. with the way the straps are adjusted? Yeah. It seems, seems like the, the, the taller torsos or the longer torsos, that's when it starts to happen. Cause that, that Velcro on the shoulder strap starts to, starts to come up a little further. And, um, we've got, we've got some, we've got a way to fix that on, on gen three, uh, for sure. So that'll be one of the main things that that's addressed. But in the meantime, there's a really, really simple fix for it. So, yeah, um, it was, it was literally just, robbing, robbing stuff from my basement that I had that was either my stuff or I, maybe it was even my kids. I don't know, but I took it yeah. and I cut the, I cut the squares and put it on there and it, it quieted it right up. And I, I mean, you know, it wouldn't matter so much maybe for a Western, Western hunter that might drop his pack when he's going to try and do a stalk or something. But when I'm trying to slip into like a bedding area and, and not get busted out, I mean, that extra noise with that continuous scratching doesn't sound like anything that's out there in the wild. And no. uh, it, it definitely was something I was like, nope, nope, got to fix that for sure. Yeah. And then, like I said, I, I, I taped up all the ends of my straps and stuff like that, but I do that on, you know, anything. I always want my gear kind of squared away and, and quiet. And, yeah. uh, it, it, it did that and made it to where it was, it was the pack and got some pretty good pictures of it in the canoe with, <laughs> with my deer oh, and you know, I want all those, that good man. stuff. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely cool. It was a good experience. I should have tagged out on day one, but the hesitant hunter came out in me and I was like, nah, I don't know if that deer's as big as I think he is. Is that yeah. even the same deer I thought it was coming up? And then, uh, sure enough, when he started walking away and I got the camera on him, that's when I realized. So yeah, he I took, was, that was I took a different deer, but what, what are you going to do? <laughs> so, yeah, but it definitely, yeah. it had some cool public land adventures, um, in it. And I put it through the paces. There was, driving snow and all kinds of good stuff so I, i'm definitely cool. happy with it and i hope people listening to this you know kind of give it uh give it a look-see and see if they like it too because it's it's good that you're able to reach the owner and be able to talk to him and and uh, and, and be able to you know address any issue or anything like that and the fact that it's made right here so it makes it a lot easier to probably on your end even to do any changes or anything like that to the to the pack because you got your hands are in every part of the process yeah for sure it it uh that's something that joe and i both take a lot of pride in um is you know when, when you get when you get a uh, an answer uh, to your dm on instagram um it's typically me um unless i'm out of town joe takes care of it um or if you call the customer service line you're going to get me um, if you don't get me, it's because, you know, I'm probably wrapped up <laughs> doing something else, but I, I get back to you really quick. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I love helping people, man. It's, uh, that's one of the things with this business. I love working with the people in this industry. It's, they're just, I mean, 
everybody's so nice. I mean, there's a lot of intense people, obviously, but that's that's cool too. Um, they're intense. They're passionate um, about what they love to do, and that's hunt. And so I love talking hunting. I love talking gear, and I love trying to help people be more successful. That's that's the entire reason that we got into this was to try to influence people's lives and raise the bar. And we felt like our, our presence in this industry, just stepping in, in 2018 would not only raise the bar for hunters that dealt with us, but it would cause our competition to raise their game as well. And that helps everybody else. No matter if you buy a pack from us or not, you're because of our presence you're going to get a better pack from cut from whoever you decide to buy it from um so uh it, i think there it goes full circle like that so there's also a nice touch that comes along when you open up your box the first thing you see in that box is probably the last thing you put in there but a lot of times it's a handwritten note and every time every time I, it's a handwritten note yep i believe that that's Something that you don't see too much today is to know that, hey, this is the person that packed my box. This is the person that touched my pack. And in your case, even blessed your pack. Yeah. With uh, Can you kind of just tell people what that is there on the on the bottom of the card? Yeah, I, I, I'd have to go grab one to, to remember <laughs> exactly what it says. But basically, it's, it's a Bible verse. Um, Joe and I are both, uh, I mean, we wear our, our faith on our sleeves. And uh, we... Uh, we we basically give everybody a blessing. It's it's a prayer uh, that you know that they will that God will watch after them on their hunt and that they'll be safe and they'll be blessed. And so uh, yeah, that that's on the bottom of every every note. And I uh, I write every single note, and I, I'll guarantee you this: twenty years from now. I'm still going to be writing those notes because that's one thing that I absolutely love to do. And I take a lot of pride in, and, and, uh, and just sending, sending that blessing and just letting people know that I care about them, whether I know them or not, I, I care about them. Joe cares about them. Um, we care enough to, you know, to put our hands on every pack. Now, now we may not be able to always put our hands on every pack, but I guarantee you, you're going to get a handwritten letter from one of us every single time. No, I think that's pretty cool, especially in this day and age when so much stuff is drop shipped from different locations and all that kind of stuff. It, it's neat to see that some, somebody still cares enough to one, wear their faith down their sleeve, incorporate God and, and uh, to show you that they're cared by actually handwriting it versus uh you know a print off of something so that's pretty cool with that being said dennis um i'd like to just ask you before we go to kind of tell everybody where they can find your product where they can find you guys on on social media and all that kind of stuff awesome well again thanks for having me lucas Uh, i've had a i've had a ball here talking with you um you can go on uh, to our website www.initialascent.com you find us on uh on facebook initial ascent um also instagram at initial ascent and then our youtube channel initial ascent packs so um yeah find us on all those places all righty i appreciate it thanks for coming on and sharing with us thanks man 
And once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you can check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenged.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chase in the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it, a life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.